705, the second of the four questions of Holy Week, Who Built the Cross, preached on Monday, Thursday, March 27, 1975. The prophet prophesied about it. You read it tonight. Pontius Pilate allowed it. Simon of Cyrene carried it. The soldiers nailed Christ to it, Jesus, despising the shame, endured it. Joseph of Arimathea, perhaps with Nicodemus's help, removed the dead body from it. The Apostle Paul and other New Testament theologians interpret it. And it means the cross. There's so much that we know about the cross of Jesus Christ. But did you ever stop to realize that scripture does not tell us the name or names of the person or persons who built the cross? Yes, we know who planned it, who allowed it, who carried it, who endured it, who emptied it, but we don't know the name or names of the persons who built it. And I present to you in all reality tonight that somebody or some bodies somewhere, sometime, perhaps it was that Thursday night of Holy Week, had to go and gather the wood, fashion the timbers, and join the pieces together. And Scripture does not name that important person or persons, and I'm glad. I'm very glad. Because, you see, if the Scripture did name some Jake or Jane, then, you see, I would be off the hook. It's their fault. They built the cross. But there is no Jake or any Jane mentioned in holy writing. It's left a mystery. And I'm glad. Because, you see, then I can feel my responsibility as being the builder of the cross. And though it's very difficult for me, and I'm sure for you as well, I'm not robbed of the guilt that comes when I realize that Jesus Christ died for me. Oh, God is the designer and the architect, but these hands built the cross. And if I do not understand that, and you do not understand the workings of your hands, then Jesus Christ died in vain for you and for me. That's right. If we do not see the part that we played in God's plan of salvation and see ourselves as the couplets who put together the cross, then Jesus Christ has no part of us. And God's plan of salvation is wasted upon us. The Bible says, and we read it and read it tonight, 
Christ died for all people, which is another way of saying each one of us built the cross. Now that can make us feel very guilty, as I tried to mention on Sunday morning. Holy night of Thursday is not an easy night for someone who understands the dynamic of what happened this night in Jerusalem many years ago. This is a haunting night. Your people feel some responsibility and guilt, or you wouldn't be here tonight. And that's good. One must feel a sense that he is guilty for the death of Jesus Christ. You and I belong upon the cross, not Christ. We belong because we are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not one of us is without that taint in our life that makes us want to serve selfishness rather than God. And we yield to that idolatry and we do things to serve ourselves and this causes hurt and suffering and division not only between God and man but between man and man between the divine and the human and the human and the human we are responsible but Jesus Christ the son of God took our place he became sin for us he who knew no sin became sin for us and though we were yet sinners, Christ, in his purity and perfection, died for us, paying the penalty that we should be paying. Life is in the blood, and there can be no sacrifice without the shedding of blood. And it's his blood that was shed from the cross the cross which broke his body that has brought to you and me salvation. And unless we understand that and take the guilt upon ourselves, realizing that the Son of God has died for us, <laughs> then I really don't think we understand the dynamic and the mystery of the crucifixion. So that is horrible. Though it's very difficult to endure to see blood and pierced flesh and realizing innocence is dying and has died for us. That's tough to take. And we realize the guilt that comes with it. You see, there are only two types of people in the world, and I do not mean the guilty and the innocent. Those who are guilty and know it, and those who are guilty and do not know it. And we are here tonight, realizing the guilt that comes when we built the cross upon which Jesus Christ died. And that guilt is good. For without feeling guilty, you see, then we can't feel the joy that comes from the forgiveness that is granted and relieves the guilt. That's right. When I look upon that cross, that cross which now is empty, 
I realized the body that was broken was broken for me. The blood that was shed was shed for the remission of my sins. Jesus Christ died for me. And in his death, God was reconciling me with himself. I am a new creature. No longer does this particular guilt drive me, but the guilt has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am a new man, a new being, and that fills me with joy. When I realize he died for me, that's unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness. Though I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. But without knowing the guilt, I cannot know the joy. For if I do not feel guilty, there's no reason for me to be forgiven. So when I know the horribleness of the guilt, that's when I know the joy of the forgiveness. And then and only then is when I find the meaning of life. I honestly believe that not one of us, not one of us, can find all of the potential that God has put before us and in us, nor the destiny for which he has created us, until that guilt within us has been resolved and we know redemption through Jesus Christ. You see, when I see that unconditional love, only then do I have the courage to love. When I know that somebody has loved me, can I then love someone else? Only when I know somebody has forgiven me, God, can I risk forgiving somebody else. Only when I know that Christ has died for me, can I have the courage to live and become a new creation a new being using these hands which crucified my Lord now to bring life into this world. Whosoever would become my disciple must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever would try to save his life, he's going to lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake, says Jesus, he'll find it. What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What can a man or a woman Give in return for his or her life. <coughs> Look at your hands, please. Look at them, please. Those hands are the most complicated parts of your anatomy. And there are very, very few here tonight that could understand the complication and the great great 
system involved in making those hands work. It's a mystery. But they work. Move your fingers and you see them work. Those hands crucified our Lord. But those hands have been redeemed by the heart that controls them. And tonight they are able to bring life. Life full of forgiveness. Life that is known resolved guilt. Life that is able with these hands. These same complicated hands take a piece of bread and in faith eat that piece of bread knowing that that represents the body of Jesus Christ broken for us and also a hand that can take a cup. And though we fully do not understand how or what is happening, all we know is that in this complicated plan of God it works. We can take that cup and we can drink, knowing that the new covenant is in our blood, and we do it in remembrance of him. So all of you who are truly sorry for your sins and had some guilt, all of you who truly want to know the joy, the liberation that comes through the fact of forgiveness, all of you who want to live a life that is holy, creative, and helpful. You are invited to come and to eat of this bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him who gave his life for us. <laughs>